welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. Joseph, it's a different podcast today this time. It is. That's We're true. doing more of this. Yes, sir. In the same place. Same place. Different time, but same place. Same place. Today, we are continuing to talk about uh, pastors and how they have to live their lives and how that's different from us normal people. First off, go to Patreon, $5. Click all the buttons around the things. Like, subscribe, comment. You know the stuff. So we're going to be getting started with that right now. Okay, so what are, what would you be worried that your church members would do if they found you out at a bar drinking, smoking, and watching and listening to porn? Okay, well, I'm not going to do, like, any of those things. Like, can we be clear? Like, you're creating these hypothetical moments. <laughs> they, they fire me. They, they, they rightfully should. Would they? Yes. Okay. I would hope. You would hope? I would actually hope they'd fire me. Okay. If they found me <laughs> doing everything you just said, Yeah. Like, if I'm, like, wasted in a bar watching porn, fire me. But that's that's actually what would happen, though, if if in that situation, like, there wouldn't be a, okay, well, we'll give you one more chance, type of thing. Uh, but but I, mean, I would also, have really low tolerance for that. Right. Yeah. But also, okay, so, so cut, cut the amount of offense in half, okay. and you're not getting fired. What would you be worried about with your church members? Well, I mean, how would they even receive my preaching anymore? I don't know. Drunk? (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying they'd have to be drunk (laughs) to be able to accept what I was even saying going forward. uh, Just just answer the question. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I just, that's what I would, I mean, the, I, I think that would be the, the greatest obstacle. I think that is okay. the greatest obstacle. I mean, if you, if a, if a pastor has just an outright moral failure mm-hmm. like that, like where they're wasted, they're, you know, caught watching porn, whatever, I, I, that becomes the most difficult part for me. Like, okay. th- if that's public knowledge, right? Right. If that's public knowledge, that's what I'm really asking. Yeah. If that's public knowledge, I th- I, and not that they can't be forgiveness, and not that there can't be reconciliation and those kind of things, but I think the pastor would have to show like your Second Corinthians seven, like deep godly repentance. Where, like, openly in front of everyone. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to repent before the the whatever you know whatever church you know government structure you have set up, whether it's a board or whether it's elders or deacons or however you know the particular church is set up. But there'd have to be repentance before them. There'd have to be repentance before the congregation. Like you'd have to go. You'd have to have repentance. Okay. And then I think there'd have to be a time. Of earning people's trust back. How? I think you'd have to meet with people, talk with people, be just upfront with, hey, this is what I did. I'm owning it. 
this is what I'm doing to ensure this doesn't happen again. And I think all that has to happen while you're not preaching on Sundays. Okay. So like you have to, I would think that pastor would have to be sat down and off the stage and off the platform, off of, off of, you know, no, it couldn't be behind the pulpit. You can get one of those days without an incident signs <laughs> with the numbers that you can pull off and you'd add a number every day. Okay. I'll let you do that. And so, but I think that that would have to, I mean, you'd have, yeah, I think that's you'd have to you'd have to earn people's trust back over time, mm-hmm. and and it's not going to happen overnight. So that would not be fun. Oh no! So that's why you don't do these things, and because you're a Christian. I don't do these things because I'm a Christian. Okay, that's why I don't do them. It's because okay. I'm a Christian. Okay, so what's the worst time that you've ever heard of a pastor getting in trouble for something that he did? That people didn't think was acting pastoral. And are you, and so this is not just like, I mean, obviously there's things like stealing money or who stole money, adultery, things like that. And you're aware of people that have done those things? Yes. And what happened? Different things happen with different ones of, of them. So I, I mean, I know several. Okay. Um, one example I know of where uh, there's a there's a pastor, um, lead pastor of a, a good sized church, and he was caught um, in an affair and also stealing money from the church. Okay, to pay for his affair, or to pay for whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and and so he um, he was obviously you know sat down and. The church had kind of the church did not fire him immediately. The church, he seemed to be repentant, seemed to want to work on things with his wife, and wanted to you know seem to have a want to have a chance to work through that. And so they were going to give him that opportunity when they came before the congregation to kind of let the congregation know the steps forward that were going to be taken. Um, the pastor kind of blindsided the leadership and said, "No, I refuse to," you know. Um, take a break. I refuse to go through these steps you've outlined. Um, and he was trying to build a case before the congregation of why he should remain acting pastor. And, and it went over like a lead balloon. And so he ended up losing his job. And um, and obviously they fired him on the spot. Um, and While then that, he was at, in front of the church? Yeah. Really? No, the leadership just pretty much just stood up and said, you're done. During service? Well, this this was like a special meeting. Oh, and the pastor was like, where they had come, they had set up this meeting with the church family, to do the church body to tell the church, hey, this is what's going to happen, and he was supposed to stand up and say, I'm, you know, I repent, I'm sorry. Here's here's the processes I'm going to work through, walk through mm-hmm. with the church leadership and with some other help counselors to to make sure my marriage is good, kids are okay, that kind of thing, and. Instead of doing that, he stood up and said, yes, these things happen, but I feel called by God to continue leading this church, da 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 and I will not go through this process. And they fired him while he was standing up there? They pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much over. <laughs> and so so that's happened. So that he was... lives in Alaska now. <laughs> <laughs> he might as well. Um, 
uh, I know other individuals that had were, you know, ha- had an affair and stepped away. They chose to step away from ministry for a while, mm-hmm. come back into ministry after ensuring that their wife and their children were okay, and they're pastoring again. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, have a, and I genuinely don't have a problem with that. If the, if if there's a genuineness in the repentance. And there were people that to to help walk them through that process, and they're ensuring there's safeguards around their life to to see that not happen again. Um, and there's like a diligence there, and and I think the biggest thing with like the 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 spouse would have to really be okay with it. Mm-hmm. You know, the spouse would have to feel like we're okay, the family's okay, we're okay with you going back into ministry. I think it's a huge part of it. How would you even get an affair started as a pastor? Like, don't most people not even think about that or, yeah, most of them, and I'm not saying all, most happen in counseling sessions. In counseling sessions? Mm -hmm. Because what happens is... With their counselor? Because the pastor... Oh, with, oh, okay. A pastor is counseling someone, and so, I mean, so the dynamic would be you've got a pastor who's compassionate, empathetic trying to help someone who and of of an of the other gender and so let's say it's a male pastor with a female and the female is going has been through a divorce has, or has experienced a loss and is going through a tough time and da 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 and they form an emotional connection initially okay and then it eventually can lead to a physical Gotcha. Relationship. That makes sense. Yeah. And that, and so like even in <clears throat> seminary and theology school, like we were just, it was just hammered over our heads to be careful with that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that even we were actually advised was do not meet with someone for more than three sessions. Um, if you're, if you're like, in other words, if I'm having to do counseling with a female, if I can't, help them through their situation in three sessions or less, they need to go see a, a, a professional counselor. Okay. And it removes, because one, you're probably not qualified to help them go th- all the way through that. Okay. And two, it helps, it ensures that they're not going to f- form an emotional attachment to that pastor. And that pastor can form an emotional attachment to them because they also they feel valued and needed. Mm-hmm. And so it goes both ways. Um and so, you know, there's a lot of safeguards about how to do that. I mean, you know, you, you know, my door, for example, in my study has a huge window on it. And it's so if anyone wants to walk by, look in, they can see in here mm. and, and and ensure that, you know, they know what's going on in here. Um, you know, I, I don't meet with women by myself. Um, and if, and if I do, it's in a very open public type space. Um, and, uh, but I generally do not meet with women by myself to just to ensure that is, is, and it's not that I think every woman is looking to have an affair, right. Or is needy and is broken and mm-hmm. emotional attachment will happen. Um, it's not, it's not that. Um, and I don't think every pastor needs to feel like that they're going to always be seen as, a, as, as a male who could possibly fall into you know, a sexual affair. I don't, I just think it's just a safeguard for both parties and it helps, I think 
I think it honors the Lord and it honors them. You know, there's the, um, do I think that, you know, there's a, uh, what's kind of called uh, the Billy Graham rule. Okay. And the Billy Graham rule was never be alone with a woman by yourself um, in a car, in an office. Um, I think that can be taken like to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, where I do How think. How do you get married? <laughs> right. I mean, so I do think that can be taken to an extreme, but I, I do think there's wisdom in some of the basic principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's, you know, there's just, there should be safeguards and things like that set up. So has anyone ever thought that you were doing anything with a, a woman that you were meeting with or been like, why are you meeting with her with nobody else? Uh, yeah. Stuff um, like that. No, okay. not that I can, not that I can think of. Okay, if they thought that, it's never been said to me. Okay, that have, has that happened to other pastors that you know of, where someone assumed something might yeah. be happening? Um, actually, yes. Okay, uh, to me, well, yeah. Actually, I know, I know of someone, and they were accused of, um, of that, and, but the, uh, it wasn't true. But yeah, they were accused of that. How does that situation go? What do you mean, like, like it's basically a? It's basically he said, she he said, said, she said. Yeah. But but a lot of times the the other person will deny it too. The the person that. Like in other words, yeah. like a lot of times it's not even just a he said, she said. It's like let's say the minister and the person they're meeting with will both deny it, mm-hmm. but someone else thinks, well, but I, but I don't know. There seems to be something going on here. Okay, and 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 I, you know, and I'm not discounting people being concerned or this kind of things, but I think also we have to be willing to take people at their word as well, right? You know, and not just assume the worst of every situation just because a minister is meeting with uh, someone of the opposite gender. Okay, so. so are you worried that your wife? And kids could do anything to ruin your reputation as a pastor. No, no, I'm not. I'm not worried that they would do anything that would ruin my reputation as a pastor. But would would church members think that that reflects on you? Well, I'm sure some would. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some would. Um, so you know, if for example, if one of our kids you know, began to, let's say, rebel in their teenage years and act out and those kind of things, would some people think that would reflect on on me? Yeah, they probably would. Um, and I, I I personally wouldn't worry. Not that, I, not that I'm not worried about what my child is going through, but I'm not worried about what other people are saying okay. in regards to m- me as a pastor in relationship to my child rebelling. So if your child came to church wearing all black and, you know, like... Like going like full goth. Full goth. Right. Just full all the way goth. He's, you you would just be like... He or she's coming in full goth. That's my kid. That's that's right. Okay. Where, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not... I guess for me, I'm not willing to hold my kids to a standard that we're not going to hold every other child to you know so any other kid walks in the church they're wearing all goth okay mm-hmm. cool you know and if so if one of our kids was to do that all right 
right? And now the conversation and the conversations that I'm having with my child or my children behind the scenes are just that's what they are. They're conversations behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so as long as um as long as we're not just um yeah, as long as long as we're we're holding like so again the example with the kids, all the kids of the church to the same standard. Right. What are are we expecting of all of the kids, not just Joseph's kids because he's a pastor? Okay. But what are we expecting of all of the kids? What are we, you know, what do I want from? I'm looking at my wife and I'm saying, how is she as a godly wife, not how is she as a pastor's wife? Okay. Um, I love one of the phrases that, so the pastor that did our premarital counseling asked my wife, the question is not, are you called to be a pastor's wife? The question is, are you called to be Joseph's wife? Okay. And we have really lived, we've tried to, at least the best we can, live up to that. Mm-hmm. Now, were there times in a, like early on when we did a church plant that my wife would be more involved in things? Yeah. And was it because she was the pastor's wife? Yes. Some okay. things had to be done, so she would just volunteer to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was not that it was expected of her. It's just that she saw a need. No one else was filling it, so she would fill it. Um, and so I don't expect her to you know, have to act or be different just because she's a pastor's wife. I just want her to be who God has called her to be and, you know, and... I'm not worried about the optics. Do do your wife and kids ever deal with people thinking that they need to act better because they're your wife and kids? Yeah, that's that's happened. How, why? Why? Um, again, I think some of it goes back to they expect the pastor to act a certain way. We talked about that earlier. But what happened? Oh, from my wife and kids. Yeah. Well. I'm I'm gonna not talk about my kids. Okay. Uh, and what happened with them? Um, but as far as you know, so my wife at times, um, so my wife is uh, more quiet, more introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not one of those you know get up front rah 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 personalities, and um, she's a very strong woman. Um, but she, at the same time, uh, is not a, you know, be at the forefront of everything, um, you know, needing to be or wanting to be eyes on her. You know, that's not her. She's she's incredibly happy and um, fulfilled and satisfied to do things behind the scenes where no one's looking to, you know, have... Um, families over or couples over to our house just to have dinner. She loves just making dinner and mm-hmm. let's get to know people. She loves, you know, talking to individuals, um, you know, one-on-one or in little small groups. So it's not in these big settings where people are going to see that. Um, and so there's times where people have wanted her to be something or someone she's not. And, and, or feel like, Oh, she needs to be more outgoing because she's the pastor's wife. <laughs> That's just not her personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to ask her to change her personality. Um, you know, is she friendly? Yeah, she's friendly. Is she Joseph 
you know, I, I, you know, if, if we go into a, uh, if we're at the fellowship hall and we're having a meal after church, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to almost, you know, I'm going to say, Hey, to a lot of people in there. And I won't say necessarily everybody, but I won't, I'm, I'm going to make a touch point with about everybody in there, but I don't have to try. That's not forced. Like, that's energy for me. Like to, to, to be in a room, to, Talk to people, connect with people. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's natural for me. For Melanie, that's that, that. She has to be very intentional to do that. Very, um, you know, kind of provoked in some way. Like in other words, like I, I might have to say, "Hey, would you mind going and speaking to that person?" Mm-hmm. And she's happy to do it. Um, but that's just not her natural flow to just go and make sure she's reaching and, and connecting with everybody she's more concerned with is are our kids getting fed do they have food and so maybe that will change to some degree as our kids get older but right now it's like are our kids okay and then when she sits down with our kids with whoever's around she's she'll gladly interact and talk with them um, but again she's just not that outgoing you know personality and thank God. Because if we had two outgoing personalities with me and her, oh, Lord, it'd be a disaster. And so I, I thank God that she is um, wired the way she is. And um, so, yeah, so there's sometimes people want her to be more outgoing or more upfront or more vocal. Um, and she just doesn't have a desire for that. Um, she doesn't really have a desire to be in, like, church leadership. Mm-hmm. She's more than happy to be married to the pastor. <laughs> And just let me be part of church leadership and, you know, and not that I don't run things by her and talk with her about things, but she doesn't need some kind of official title or, you know, hold some kind of official capacity or status. That's not what she's interested in. So, Do you ever think about your house and your car and what people are seeing that you have as a pastor? Sure. Yeah, okay. I, um, you know, there's a saying that you know leaders live in glass houses, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's just, why they shouldn't throw rocks. That's why people shouldn't throw rocks right. or break the house. But I think it's very true with pastors in particular because I do think we live in a glass house. In other words, I do think that we live in a in a way that people are going to judge and to view us on the material things that we have or do not have. Um, and, you know, presently it's, it's, it's a real different situation for us because, um, we're, you know, we're living, uh, in a parsonage, uh, which is a house provided by the church. So the church is actually providing our house. Um, and so, and we've never, so they can just come in whenever they want and see what you're up to. <laughs> no, no, they're not. They, they, they cannot do that. And so, um, it's not going to stop them from trying. They better not. All right. So, um, but you know, and we've never, how's this house we tithe for? Huh? You enjoying living in here? <laughs> Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> and so, you know, and but no, I, I think that, um, you know, we don't have like flashy cars or we don't have, um, we've never had like brand new cars or um, we've never had, uh, like we have a, the, we do have a, a minivan now. And when we bought it, it was one years old. So, you know, the newest car we'd ever bought is only one years old. And uh, now it is 10 years old. So 
it's got some it's got some miles on it. Um, but you know, but yes, do people look at the way that you know the vehicles or the properties or whatever that pastors have? Yes, um, I think probably for us the biggest one has been um, vacations. Okay, um, and like you know, we'll post on you know uh, Facebook. Hey, we are we're here at Disney World. And then you'll maybe get some comments, you know, oh, I saw you were at Disney World. And you and you could tell they're thinking, hmm, that really going to have you spend your money? Oh, okay. You know, um, and, and one, if we chose to do that, okay. But then two, uh, you know, I think what people miss out on a lot is, you know, for us, we, we've never had a lot. And, um, you know, my wife's a stay-at-home mom, and we have so we've pretty much functioned as a she homeschools our kids, so we pretty much function as one salary family. We we do fine. Like I'm not complaining. Like we do we do fine, but we're not going to do like massive extravagant trips. You know, a lot because we, we can't afford them. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, um, and if we do do a trip, then it's because we've saved up for it intentionally. Um, and so, or we've been invited to go with family, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's probably been the, maybe the biggest one. Um, and again, you just, people don't always know all the ins and outs of those things. And so I'm trying to, I try to be very careful with that too, to other people of not judging them of how they're spending their money. Cause you don't know all the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. You don't know, Hey, maybe a family member paid for them to go or asked them to go and told them, Hey, we're going to pay for you to do this, that kind of thing. So I, I try to be very careful with, I want to be careful with how I'm um, looking at people and the way they're spending their money. Uh, but yeah, I do think just as a general rule of thumb, leaders live in that glass house and we just have to be okay with that. So if you rolled up to church in a new whatever Corvette, okay, and you know, got out of it in slow motion with your Bible and flipped your suit jacket over your right. What would people think? Uh, wow, our pastor's really changed, and uh, and he is pretty full of himself. And okay, and if that was the way it happened, the way you described it, yeah, yeah I would be pretty full of myself. Or I told you to do it. <laughs> and the Corvette was really just a rental car. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I, and I do think we're, we need to be responsible with, as pastors, of, of how we use money. Because why? Because we need to, again, it goes back to setting an example. Okay. We need to set an example to the church family of, of giving and, of being good stewards with what the Lord has for us. And, um, and, and so, and I'm not going to get into specifics of you can have this or you cannot have that. Like I'm, that's not for me to judge. Okay. In the sense of like, um, I mean, you, you kind of know extravagant when you see extravagant, mm-hmm. um, you know, like some of the prosperity preachers homes, right. Right. You're living in multi-million dollar homes, in a gated community somewhere. No, like, no, <laughs> just no, get over yourself. They don't live in a community. Uh, they're isolated. And, uh, and I just think that that's, um, so I do think, you know, a little, you know, extravagance when you see extravagance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think we have to be pretty quick to call that out, to be honest with you, and to say that's not okay. Um, but again, it, it, it gets dicey a little bit because it is relative to some degree of what is, and you kind of just have to know the culture and your environment and where you're in and what's seen as excessive and not excessive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think pastors are called to be poor and walk around being poor. Um, but I also do think by being a pastor, we have chosen to accept the fact that we're not going to have all of this money. Are there church communities that like where I as a regular church member would judge my pastor positively for having nice stuff? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So especially, again, in the prosperity gospel type churches. But like not even in those churches. Like, like. Yeah. And, and are there instances where I would feel proud that my pastor has nice stuff? Yes. Okay. Yes. So there are some communities where that is the case. Okay. Where it's actually like um, the fact that your pastor has a certain status. Right. Speaks well of the whole community and speaks well of the church. Okay. Yes, that absolutely exists. And and so and I think that those pastors in those communities just need to be careful. And I think they need to teach biblical stewardship and responsibility to their church. Do you think any of that's wrong? To what specifically? Like if I expected my pastor to have nice stuff, is that wrong of me? Yeah, I would ask why. I don't know. Yeah, I'd ask why. Because now, if he's doing the Lord's work, I should want him to have nice things. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and and I would say, okay, yeah, he's doing the Lord's work, so you want him to be blessed. Right. I know pastors who have been literally just gifted vehicles. Okay. I know that. Like, um, I very close friends with someone, and literally was gifted a Lexus. Really? Someone just literally gave them a Lexus. Gave him a call one night, asked him to show up at a car lot, and there was a, <laughs> a brand new Lexus for the for this pastor. And so, like those things do happen, hmm. um, and and so, but I also know that that same pastor used broken down cars for the first thirty years of his ministry. You know, and so, um, and you know, but. Uh, so I don't want to sit here and judge and say, well, all right, now he needs to take that vehicle and sell it and those kind of things. Like I know for a fact he felt embarrassed by it because he didn't want to come across right. as, oh, I've got this really nice car now. Um, Just drives through some dirt in it. <laughs> he actually had his he actually had his wife drive it. Oh. And and then and he had an okay car at, you know, at that point now. Um and uh and and so, but because he didn't want to pull up into churches mm-hmm. that he was ministering in with this super nice car, he just didn't want to come across <laughs> as, yeah, again that guy that's pulling up with a Corvette, throwing the you know jacket over his shoulder. Um, he just didn't want to be that guy, and um, so I appreciate that. I appreciate his humility in that. So you put a little sign in front of his space, <laughs> reserved for <laughs> the pastor's Lexus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So, but you know, at the same time, he didn't want to dishonor the person that gave him the gift. Right. And so he didn't want to just get rid of it and um, come across as unappreciative. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so this, that was what, that was what seemed best to him, you know? Um, so much stuff to think about. Yeah. Can be. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been kicked out of places or situations because you're a pastor? Kicked out? No. I can't like think of asked to leave? Just because I'm a pastor? Yeah. Or just like not invited? Not, yeah, the not invited thing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like if if people are... You know, um, if people are going somewhere and they're they know they're they may be drinking or smoking that kind of thing, then I'll hear maybe later about it, and they, and they would kind of hear the comment of, "Well, but we didn't invite you. What personal? But we just knew you as a pastor probably wouldn't want to be there." Right. Okay. And you're just kind of like, "Okay, <laughs> cool." You know, and I mean, maybe I kinda, didn't. <laughs> I just got to roll with that, you know? And so, yeah, that, so that's happened before. Okay. Yeah. And how do you feel when those things happen? Like, I understand where they're coming from, but but do you feel left out at times? Yes. Okay. And do you feel like, man, I really wish you knew, I wish you would have asked me about it beforehand. Right. Talk to me about it. Or I wish you knew how I actually felt about it. You know, that... Going around and sitting around, you know, like like sitting around a campfire and and maybe everybody else is drinking but me, doesn't make me feel weird. Okay, doesn't make me feel awkward. But at the same time, I understand if it makes them feel awkward, they don't want to invite me there because so, you wouldn't be doing the same thing. Yes, yeah, I wouldn't be doing the same thing. Or okay. if they feel like I would not be condoning what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. Because the only way to condone it is to do it with them. <laughs> right. And so, so yeah, so those things have happened, both with both with Christians and non-Christians. Okay. Yeah, and I... Is, and, it, is it different? Like, do non-Christians yeah. treat you differently than the Christians do about the stuff? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes the non-Christian actually can be more open. To at times to like inviting me to do things, okay. Me saying, Nah, I'm cool, I don't need a drink, and they're like, Okay, and then kind of chalk it up. All right, he's a pastor, cool, and he's kind of kind of keep going, okay. Where I think maybe with church people, they feel more uncomfortable around it with me there, where the non Christian doesn't feel uncomfortable per se. They, like, they recognize and honor and respect the fact that I'm a pastor, mm-hmm. but it's not going to change the the way they're conducting themselves and they're not going to see me on Sunday morning. Right. Right. (laughs) And so I think that's kind of the dynamic there. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been invited to a thing where church members are going or Christians Uh are going to be doing those crossing the line, potentially Uh activities. And then you, actually got upset by it yeah have i have i been have i been like have i been bothered or disappointed yes maybe disappointed probably a good word for it okay yeah yeah i have okay yeah so i mean yeah in fairness yes i've been disappointed (laughs) at times and a lot of these happen around like big events 
Okay. So, um, uh, a wedding reception, something like that. Gotcha. Okay. You know, and um, where people may start out, let's say social drinking, and then they're a little buzzed, and mm. then they, you know, and it kind of just keeps progressing. Right. Um, and and then they're saying things or doing things or acting in a way, and you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> like, uh, I was hoping for a little better for them, you know? In, in them and and so yeah there has has there been moments where I've been disappointed yes I won't say like a lot okay but people that I thought would behave and act in a certain way and then okay you know you kind of have that expectation maybe of, mm. or are they normally generally do carry themselves in that certain way and then for whatever reason in, in this event whether a, a wedding reception uh, uh, New Year's Eve, uh, whatever, right? Kind of a big event kind of thing. And you just like, and maybe just got away from them a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there that's happened some. Again, I'm not saying it's a lot, mm-hmm. but it has happened some. Well, you did my wedding, so now I'm wondering what you thought of that. I, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I officiated your wedding. <laughs> All I remember is we were so busy. We were like, wait, we're supposed to be drinking more. <laughs> this is our wedding, <laughs> but but we couldn't. We just kept having to talk, talk to, to people, people and, and shake hands, do all the things. Right at the end of the night, we we're just like, I guess we'll just go to bed. <laughs> Why am I sober? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to think. I mean, because I was there. Yeah, I mean, we ate good food. Yeah. And talk to some good people. And yeah. yeah, it was great. It was normal. Yeah. Way to go, Nate. Stupid. Way to be normal. <laughs> Way to be normal. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever hidden the fact that you are a pastor to anyone? Yes. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> well, it usually does. Ninth start. ring for <laughs> you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. For sure. <laughs> Dante's Inferno. Okay, so, um, but the, uh, yeah, like, okay, so one of the, <laughs> there's been a few times that this has happened. Wow. Okay. So one of them, it, one of them, so I'll, by hidden, I'm, I'm going to mean like they've asked what I've done and I just didn't give them the straight answer. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so there's the, there's, there has been a, like, being on an airplane can be like the worst. And you're Go on. I, <laughs> and actually I love flying. Okay. <laughs> I actually really do. However, you, you know, if you're on a three, five hour, ten hour, whatever flight is, and and I'm I'm going to another country. Um, most often I'm going to these other countries to teach, generally speaking. Teach like like preach, um, sometimes preaching. Like a lot of times, like there's one country I go to, and most often I'm teaching, like teaching um, either college courses or I'm teaching leadership courses. That mm. kind of stuff I'm teaching. Uh, there's other times where I'm traveling. I'm going and we're doing like um, humanitarian type work, um, humanitarian aid type stuff. And so when if I'm in a plane and I'm thinking about something I don't know, and they ask me what I do. I generally say, or I'll, I'll generally say, well, in here, I'll, wherever I'm going, 
I'll be doing, I'm teaching or I'm doing humanitarian aid and kind of start getting into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I have found is that on an airplane and I'm sitting talking to somebody, if, if they, uh, if they find out I'm a pastor, sometimes that just shuts down the conversation immediately. See, for some people that would sound great. Yeah. Like if there was one thing I could say to get the person to shut up the entire time <laughs> on a five-hour airplane ride, I'd take it every time. Right. But you know me, I like to talk. And so I'm like, well, to talk to the person, and they're just like, all of a sudden they found out I'm a pastor, and they're just like, yeah. like wall just goes up, and that's it. And so um, they went from being a potential best friend to not wanting to talk to me anymore. And so um, so that, that happens. Um, if... If I have, you know, if I'm going into another country where proselytizing or sharing one's faith, well, I mean by proselytizing, sharing one's faith is not acceptable, then I'll, I will say I'm coming here to teach. I'm a teacher. Oh, so you're lying so you don't get put in a gulag. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, yeah. I got you. Like I almost got turned away one time. Going into a country. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it makes for a cool story. Yeah. But, yeah, I was, like, the rest of my team was already through. But I had been in this country several times. They saw the visa stamps. And they were starting to get a little suspicious of me. And Like you were smuggling in Bibles? Yeah. Or something, yeah. And and so they were like... Smuggling in Bibles with... (laughs) Yeah, or that I was going and sharing, you know, proselytizing or whatever. And and so, yeah, so that's happened before. So you okay. just have to be mindful of it. Um, there's other times where it doesn't get brought up initially. Like, no one's asking, what do you do for a living? Or, what? Mm-hmm. you know, you're just talking. And I'm generally not just going to throw it out there. Mm-hmm. As a pastor. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the best was some of my... Um, I was uh, I was playing around a golf with my brother, and we were paired with um, two other people, mm-hmm. and and so the four of us were, were paired together, and and so we're we're playing and golf golf oh. uh, golf, <laughs> um, and and uh, and so we get to like we get pretty much at the, the you know we're making the turn and we're going from the ninth to the tenth um, hole, and so. And then one of them goes, so what, what do y'all do? And my brother tells him what he does. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm kind of busted at this point. I'm just like, I'm a pastor. And like, but preceding that, so the previous nine holes, the other two people, man, they were obviously not Christians, just talking about everything under the sun that, you know, cussing and, talking about all kind of crazy stuff and and all this you know they had showed us videos cuz they thought it was hilarious and and now all of a sudden like I dropped the pastor card on them and seriously they went from talking to us like nonstop for nine holes for like an hour and a half and all of a sudden <laughs> they'd make their shots get in their cart and drive away <laughs> that was like they just almost didn't speak to us for the rest of the time and my brother was like, well, that, 
that really changed things. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it did. And and so there's and and I, and I hate that it's that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I I hate that. You know, but I whether they felt shame or whether they felt like, well, they don't really want to hear us talk. Well, whatever. Um, I, I hate that it's that way that it causes those kind of conversations to just end. But yeah. Joseph, apparently we're not done talking about all these life things that you and other pastors that exist on the America world places have to deal with every day of their every single whole lives. Wait, there's more questions? There's more. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. All right, bring them. Yeah, I sent you 34 questions because no one my entire life has ever answered any of these questions not once. So I had lots. Because pastors don't live in glass houses. They live in shady dark ones in the middle of the woods that you can't see. That's scary. With ghosts and shit. And they never answer any questions ever. Well, I'm glad we're going Never. Gonna... <laughs> I'm, glad... I'm glad we're going to get to remedy that tonight. And... Last week. Uh, uh. Well, well, this has been the What I Heard This Podcast. You can find the podcast everywhere that there's podcasts and YouTube and Rumble. You can follow updates on the podcast at When I Heard This Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Go to Patreon. $5. Click all the buttons around the things. Like, subscribe, download the rest. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Nate Robinsoff. And you can follow Joseph on Instagram at Rev Joe T. This has been the One Heard This Podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.